Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, February 11th. In today's news, talks to avert another government shutdown break down. Amy Klobuchar announces for president in a blizzard. And Virginia Democrats are circulating a draft resolution to impeach Justin Fairfax. But first, the big idea. North Carolina Congressman Walter Jones so enthusiastically supported the 2003 invasion of Iraq that he argued for French fries to be renamed Freedom Fries, a jab at France for opposing the war. But the Republican later underwent a dramatic change of heart and emerged as one of the most prominent critics of the war. The 13-term congressman passed away Sunday on his 76th birthday. His health declined after a fall in which he broke his hip. Jones, elected in 1994, represented a district that included the Marine Corps Camp Lejeune and Cherry Point Air Station. In 2002, he joined most Republicans and many Democrats in voting for a resolution authorizing George W. Bush to use military force in Iraq. More than 4,000 Americans and more than 100,000 Iraqis have died since. No weapons of mass destruction were found, and the justification for the invasion was soon revealed to have been based on faulty information. Jones traced his transformation to a funeral held at Camp Lejeune for a 31-year-old Marine sergeant who had been killed while helping evacuate wounded comrades. In the presence of their three young children, including newborn twins, the Marine's widow read from his final letter home. Jones watched as the older boy dropped a toy, and another Marine picked it up and handed it back. The congressman said it sunk in then that the little boy would never know his daddy. So he began writing handwritten letters to relatives of every U.S. service member killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. All told, he wrote more than 12,000 letters. He once told NPR that he asked God to forgive him for his vote to go to war. And in 2005, he renounced the war and called for a timetable to withdraw. Jones also hung posters displaying the faces of the war dead along the hallway leading to his office on Capitol Hill. The congressman was known for a rebellious streak and stood alone in the Republican Party on some issues, including his support for campaign finance reform and increasing the minimum wage. In 2012, in response, House GOP leaders stripped him of his position on the Financial Services Committee. But while some considered him a gadfly, most viewed him as a principled legislator including many of his constituents, who continually returned him to office despite well-funded challenges from the party establishment. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the risk of a second government shutdown at the end of this week increased after bipartisan negotiations fell apart over the weekend. President Trump's border wall demands, which precipitated the record-long 35-day shutdown that ended late last month, were a secondary issue in the impasse that developed this weekend. Instead, after looking promising for days, the delicate negotiations collapsed over insistence by Democrats on limiting the number of unauthorized immigrants who can be detained by ICE. This has become a major issue for the party because of opposition to the Trump administration's aggressive detention tactics. The breakdown in talks made it unlikely that lawmakers will be able to finalize an agreement on Monday so that it could pass the House and Senate before Friday night's deadline. That stalemate leaves the path to keeping the government open unclear. Trump, of course, is always a wild card in these situations. He's having a big rally in El Paso tonight to make the case for the wall. 
Lawmakers had been trading offers over how much money could go to barriers along the U.S.-Mexico border. They were looking at somewhere between $1.3 billion and $2 billion, still far short of the $5.7 billion Trump has demanded. Another funding lapse could affect many Americans within days, because one of the agencies that would go unfunded during the shutdown is the Internal Revenue Service, which is processing tax returns for millions of people. Number two. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar became the latest Democrat to enter the 2020 presidential field on Sunday afternoon. She held a rally at a park on the banks of the Mississippi River, near the site of a 2007 bridge collapse that killed 13 people and injured scores more. The bridge was quickly rebuilt in 2008 after politicians, including the senator, came together to expedite the construction process. The intended takeaway of its role as the emotional heart of her speech, Klobuchar is someone who will get things done. Her entry into the race came at an event during which the candidate and hundreds of supporters were pelted by relentless snow. She sought to use that, too, to define her candidacy. She said snow won't stop her because she's got grit. Number three, Virginia Democratic lawmakers began circulating a draft resolution on Sunday to begin impeachment proceedings against Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, a fellow Democrat, over allegations of sexual assault that have been leveled against him. Fairfax has fended off calls from the state Democratic Party and some state and national lawmakers to resign after two women publicly came forward last week to accuse him of sexual assault. Vanessa Tyson accused Fairfax of sexually assaulting her in 2004 at the Democratic National Convention in Boston. Meredith Watson on Friday accused Fairfax of assaulting her in 2000 while they were undergrads at Duke University. Fairfax says the encounters were consensual and has blasted the allegations as part of a smear campaign against him. He has said repeatedly that he will not step down and wants the FBI or others to investigate the accusations. A vote on the draft resolution, which could come as soon as Tuesday, would direct the House Committee for Courts of Justice to hold hearings on the allegations against him. Such an investigation would be the precursor to a committee recommendation for impeachment and then, eventually, a vote of the full House. Any attempt to impeach Fairfax, though, appears unprecedented. There has been no impeachment of an elected official in Virginia in modern times. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, February 11th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.